0: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
1: This report brought to you by Japanese village experience early bird specials Monday to Friday from four to 6 p.m. at all three Japanese village locations downtown Northgate and South side.
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad.
2: And we are the voice of both teams Tomorrow, a great doubleheader coming up on 6:30. Chet, 3:30. Eskimos pregame show. Five o'clock, the play play, uh, the play by play. Eskimos at Hamilton. Right when that game ends, we'll go to the Oilers and the Canucks, and then Rob and I will have overtime open line after that game. What a Friday it will be. The Eskimos likely to go into the Eastern Conference for the CFL playoffs, and the Oilers off to this incredible. Six and one start, obviously very encouraging. And I, you know, you hear a lot about visiting teams talking about them after they have been beaten by the Oilers. Certainly, uh, St. Louis complimenting the Oilers for playing with a little bit more tenacity than in the past. Alan May, who's a uh, analyst for the Washington Capitals, said that that's the most complete Oilers team he's seen in a while. And I think that's a very key word in terms of being complete. And we've talked a lot about being able to win games in uh, multiple ways, which. So so far the Oilers have been able to do in this young season and I gotta say I, I thought this was a very encouraging comment today by Oilers head coach Todd McClellan it's inside sports on 630 chat I'm Reed Wilkins it's 608 we're gonna bring in Kelly Rudy in a minute but I want you to listen to this clip and you can tell me on the text line six thirty six thirty 630 if if you are as encouraged about this as I am
0: the accountability part and expectation part um, you know, the the players are doing a good job. Last year, I, I talked about establishing boundaries. Right now, the players are in control of their boundaries. They they hold each other accountable on the bench. They want to, when a shot's blocked, they reward each other. When somebody catches somebody from behind and strips a puck like we did a lot of yesterday, they, they recognize that and they... Uh, They're paying attention to the the details that it takes to win and they reward each other on the bench with it. When it doesn't occur, there's a little tap and, hey, let's get this going. You, You can be better in that area. And when they take over the team and they start controlling the boundaries, it becomes more powerful.
2: When have we ever said that about an Oilers team in recent years? I can't remember ever saying it as we bring in NHL analyst and NHL goaltending legend Kelly Rudy to the show. Kelly, how are you doing, buddy?
3: I'm fantastic. Reed. Um I would agree with uh, your comments, Todd's comments, all those sorts of things. And I, I, I'm not sure if I used this word last week when we spoke, but uh, when I watch this team out, it's uh, maturity. And that's the thing that sort of stands out to me, that it had been lacking um, in the last bunch of years. And they, they just, they never took ownership of their, their game, especially it, it seemed to me from the outside that. The losses didn't bother them as much as it should have. And you see the accountability now and how well they can play for long stretches. And it's really exciting to see these guys knowing, hey, you know what, this is fun. It's hard work. It's harder work than we've ever um, put in, but it's well worth it.
2: So where do, you, where do you think that starts, Kelly? And, and you've, you've obviously played with some great players. I mean, McDavid's the captain, though obviously he's quite young. Though, I mean, all the Oilers will tell you how hard he works in practice, and we see it too. Uh, but they add, they add a guy like Milan Lucic, who, uh, you know, carries a certain amount of clout coming into the dressing room, given his experience. Does it start with one guy, or do you think it all starts to, to, to gel together once they get to know each other?
1: I think
3: it can be a combination of that sort of thing but i i don't dismiss the uh impact that uh, lucic has had on this group i mean here here's a guy that uh, um and i think we say it too often sometimes he's won a cup so that helps but i just think that the way in which he's always held himself accountable i think that's important you get guys like talbot that uh He was with the Rangers, and he he understands that when you're playing with a guy like Lundqvist and you're trying to get ice time. Um, I think he adds to that mix. Uh, I told you last week uh, what I think of uh, Russell. I mean, you look at the defense pairings and how well they play together, especially the top four. Uh, It just looks to me like what was once a glaring weakness is no longer that.
2: Well, you're right. They've been playing great, and you know, then Nurse and Griba or, or Davidson and Fane, when they're healthy, can kind of yep. play more limited minutes on on the on the third pair. And it's funny, just as a bit of an aside, for Nurse after the first couple games, even though they beat Calgary, a lot of people were ready to send Nurse down to the minors, and now I haven't heard much about him over the last uh, four games. So so that so that's interesting. I, I I found I found Todd's comments pretty cool today because I, I have heard coaches say that before that. Uh, you know there they that some coaches will say it 's not up to me to motivate the players i i 'm not a you know they 'll say i 'm not a psychologist, a cheerleader. they should be able to prepare and and todd 's referencing some self motivation there and it is an interesting dynamic where if a, a mistake is made or a play isn 't thorough enough, a member of the coaching staff doesn 't always have to go to the player on the bench and say hey, okay, remember again, we talked about that in practice. I mean, it's neat that players in their own language, I'm sure, might be saying, hey, we need you, or you know, where was that something we talked about? I I find that an interesting, hopeful step in this evolution of the team.
3: And again, I think that just goes back to maturity. These guys uh, um, might not have uh, felt comfortable enough or strong enough personally to do that kind of stuff in a dressing room or on the bench, um, and maybe they didn't want to offend each other. I, I don't know that kind of what kind of personalities they truly have. But all those dynamics come into it. And then when you get some guys that uh, have a real powerful voice, and they don't mind um, telling somebody that they've got to be better, say along the wall or something, getting pucks out, or what little uh, things that to transpire during the course of a game. That's all important stuff and information that you've got to take. And you've also got to make sure that you're not too sensitive uh, when somebody's trying to help you out with uh, some info. I mean, I remember one time uh, we with, uh, I was with uh, L.A., and we had Rick Tauket, and he was a big, powerful player, but he also had a great voice in the dressing room, and, and, and he tried to tell Dmitry Kristich one time that he had to be better on the wall getting pucks out, and Kristich had no interest in listening to him. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to go very well and uh you know chris could, could care less right so if you've got guys that care then that sort of situation never happens
2: so how did that resolve itself dare i ask <laughs> well yeah no it was uh pretty much we
3: we had to try and restrain rick <laughs> in a real nice way because i thought he was going to get up and walk across the dressing room and, and uh, punch him right in the nose so uh no it was not what received well and uh but I think, at the, what I think the conclusion would have been is that we all recognized right then that uh, Dimitri then just had no interest in playing a, a team game. He liked what he was doing and, and nothing that a, a veteran, a well-respected veteran that, to, like Tockett was going to turn, turn that around for him.
2: Now, did that happen with anybody in the coaching staff in the room that would have known, like, okay, I, if they didn't know that about Dimitri already or how that might affect his ice time, did a coach see that? Or would it have it been communicated to a coach later?
3: Oh, I'm sure it would have been. Uh, yeah. I know the coaches weren't around at the time, but I do know that uh, they're, that kind of stuff uh, definitely is shared um, and everybody's made aware of it because that's just – it's not healthy team play right there. So. Uh, the management would have found out, the coaches would have found out, and the message would have been very, very clear that here's a guy that, he was a heck of a good player. He just, he had no interest in uh, uh, being a, a great team guy.
2: Yeah, well, I remember him, and he had some talent from what I, and didn't he skate pretty well? is I thinking of the right guy?
3: You know, And the other thing is, he's really good defensively. It's not like he was just poaching for points. He, he wanted to contribute but i don't know and i don't know if it was the the way he grew up or the organizations he grew up playing in back home uh allowed that to happen it was a very individual type style that he grew up in and so the uh, the team part of it when you're talking about building team character and camaraderie he, he didn't didn't really have any interest
2: in that Wow. Okay. Well, that, that, there's a name from the the memory banks. So that's a cool story. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. He joins us uh, once a week, uh, and uh, I gotta I gotta get your impression of the Heritage Classic. Should we Should we start with the alumni game? I mean, poor Craig Simpson. He's a weekly guest on Oilers Now yeah, with right. Bob. Yeah. So, but uh, uh, we'll we'll start with the alumni game because that that was uh, that was pretty fun to see a lot of those stars on the ice. I mean, Solani, I thought Solani, Messier, and Coffee especially looked like they all might still be able to help a current team.
3: Yeah, I know they were just ridiculous. Um, let's go back to Friday night first before the the afternoon alumni game uh, because I really. Uh, thought that the Winnipeg Jets organization knocked it out of the park. It was an amazing gala. They threw Friday night. I believe they raised between $1.2 and $1.3 million. Uh, Everybody um, from both organizations, they were invited. Um, The the Winnipeg Jets made the Edmonton Oilers and their entire organization feel very welcome and a big part of it. And the Oilers themselves were very gracious towards the Jets. It was a really cool thing. and, And uh, ron McLean hosted it and there's just it was hours worth of stories uh, and it was so fascinating i was glued to my seat i just it was very very cool so then you move forward and i was lucky enough uh, to call the game with jim houston at ice level and that was really cool with those alumni guys and as you said some of them still looked out- outrageously good but i did feel badly for craig uh, i mean he's a really proud guy and in no way did he intentionally try and do that it just whatever happened you can ask him about that but I felt very badly and and I know he took that personally I mean he was really upset at himself I saw him on the bench um I think after I can't remember if it was before the penalty shot or after that uh, Solani scored on and uh, Craig looked uh he was really mad at himself I heard him kind of talking to himself about how disappointed he was after that play so even though it's what we would consider an alumni game that most people will never, ever remember, Craig really felt badly about his actions because he said that's not what an oiler does.
2: Yeah, well, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, the Jets alumni won. If anybody's going to remember that, I, they probably will in Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, Oilers did not give the Jets fans much to cheer about. Certainly didn't give them a, a goal to cheer about on uh, on, on on Sunday. In uh, you know a game that uh, I guess is an indication of how the Oilers have been able to play so far the season, stay in it and get the goals when you need them. And uh, that game, I mean, as much as McDavid did make a great play to Nurse, the the secondary scoring here for the Oilers uh, has been huge. Letess do two shorthanded goals. Nurse was able to get a goal. And uh, I don't know what the vibe was like in the stadium with the Oilers uh, pulling away, though.
3: Well, the vibe was fantastic to start with. And even for the majority of the first period, the vibe was great because I thought the Jets uh, had the better scoring chances than the Oilers, Um, and Cam Talbot even uh, said that uh, post-game. He thought his best work was in the first period, Um, and then after that, I thought the Oilers really took over, and then the the crowd really died off. Uh, There wasn't a lot of noise thereafter, and I thought it was just a really solid effort from the Oilers. That was was a business-like type effort. They They put their foot on their throat and they didn't let up and they didn't have to rely on Talbot in the last 10 minutes to hold the floor. I mean, they were really just real solid that uh, day.
2: Kelly, uh, I I got to ask you one more. and I, This is one of those questions I almost hate to ask because I, again, I'm going to ask you probably about a bad memory, but there was, and well, I, uh, I, have a, I have an interview with Benoit Pouliot later on in the show about yeah. scoring from behind the net. On Braden Holtby last night, and Holt yep. and Puglia said in that split second he realized it might work. And you know, Rob Brown said, "Hey, guy, guys will try it all the time." As as a goaltender, I mean, how aware are you when a guy might try to do that, or you're in a, in a vulnerable position to have bank, one banked off you?
3: And you know it. And, and that's the thing: um, when you are in a vulnerable position, as you mentioned it, and you know that the possibility. Exists um, that the guy's going to try and bank it off you, you, you get this really odd, scared feeling kind of going through your mind, like, okay, how can I get myself out of this? And so I know it looks odd every once in a while, but you'll see goaltenders do like a complete circle, like a pirouette or something, or in some cases, what I found to be quite effective at certain times, when just the very second I knew the guy was going to try and throw it in my feet, if, it was, if I, by the angle of the stick and everything on the blade and on the puck, if it looked like he was going to keep it on the ice, I'd jump. I, I'd just leave my feet and, and hope that it didn't hit me and, and go in. So those are, you know in their eyes, too, when the guys think they have you. And in a lot of cases, they do because you're out of position or you've been knocked out of position, and you're, you know you're in trouble. So... I've always commended guys for that. When At that certain time, when you think you have an opportunity, go for it because, uh, you know what, the goaltender, he's fearful also.
2: Well, and you know what? I I know we talk about 93 a lot, and I can remember one play – Uh, for you and one against you where guys scored from unusual positions. Gretzky, I think, banked one off the skates of Dave Ellett in Game 7 in Toronto. And I think John LeClaire, in one of the overtime games in the final, uh, beat you back to the post. I don't think he banked it off you, but I I think he looked like he was going to go around the net and then just came back and got there before you were able to get back.
3: Well, the Gretzky one, uh, you know, I'd like to ask Wayne that. I, I never have. I people have said he did it on purpose um i don't think he did but um uh, you know i'd like to see or you know i i wonder if it's in the book he wrote the new book and he has i think 99 stories i'd like to i haven't read it yet i'd like i wonder if he uh, talks about that uh, goal in the book and then secondly the goal you're talking about on LeClaire, if i'm not mistaken if my memory serves me well uh, Daryl Sidor and I kind of got uh, all right together yeah I believe it might have banked in off Daryl and Ian. I know he felt really badly about it that he kind of uh, pushed me out of the way and but he was just desperate himself so I never harbored any ill will towards Daryl Sador for that
2: yeah all right well always uh, great to have you on the show Kelly thanks for those memories and, and, and great insight into what you're seeing from the Oilers and, uh, and what you saw at the Heritage Classic where are you this weekend buddy
3: Um, You know what? I've got a real busy schedule again. I work at home tomorrow. I take the red eye. I work in Toronto Saturday. I come home Sunday. Then Monday I go to the uh, Flames to Chicago for game Tuesday. Then I fly with them to San Jose for Thursday. Then I fly on Friday. I leave the team. Then on Friday I fly back to Toronto to work Saturday. And then I'm home for four days. So that's kind of nice.
2: All right. Well, we'll try to fit you next week for sure, buddy. Really appreciate your time as always.
3: You
2: got it, pal. I'll talk to you soon. That is Kelly Rudy checking in from the NHL on rosters, uh, NHL on rosters, former NHL goaltender. Of course, once a week, you get them right here on the show. Uh, some text to 630, 630 I want to get to about that McClellan clip, and we'll talk more about it later on in the show as well. I also asked Todd McClellan today about the Oilers' shots against Total. They are still giving up quite a few shots on goal. He'll assess why that is, and uh, it may be a little different than what you might believe. Uh, Jack Michaels is coming up as well. Scoreboard, when we get back, it's Inside Sports on 630 Chet.
0: This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader 6:30. Chad, getting some really good texts about
2: the Oilers and about McClellan's clip to 6:30. 6:30. I, I want to delve into that a little more. So if I, if you've texted in, good chance I'll read it later or get to your general idea. But I want to I want to do it justice. So I don't want to cram it in here uh, because we do have a news break coming up. But you can text 6:30. 6:30. Let's check the scoreboard because we have nine games in the NHL tonight. The first over. Overall, Montreal Canadiens, they're a point ahead of the Oilers. 0 0 with the Lightning after the first period. The Jets lead the Stars 1 0 halfway through the first. Tyler Myers with the goal there. Panthers and Maple Leafs tied 1 1 after 1. No score early between the Red Wings and the Blues. Pittsburgh out to a 1 0 lead over the Islanders. Eight minutes left in the second period. Coyotes up 2 zip on the Flyers. Early in the second period, Arizona struggling out of the gate. They are just one and five. And the Wild with a two nothing edge on the Sabres, nine minutes into the second period. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck, that guy that the Oilers uh, might have drafted a couple of years ago if they hadn't traded the 16th overall, has his second goal of the season. Some West Coast games coming up later. Blue Jackets and Sharks, Predators and the Kings. We have good old Thursday night football tonight. Jacksonville and Tennessee just underway. Uh, one minute in and no score there as of yet. The World Series will resume tomorrow. It is 1-1 between the Cubs and Cleveland. And we'll talk a little bit more about that series And the Oilers in the next half hour with Oilers play-by-play voice Jack Michaels, who is a uh, rabid supporter of the Cleveland Indians. Well, maybe he's not quite rabid but he really likes them. The Anaheim Ducks uh, signing Hampus Lindholm today. He'd been holding out six years, $31.5 million. Remember, the Ottawa Senators are going to be here on Sunday to play the Oilers. Goaltender Craig Anderson has taken a leave of absence for personal reasons, so we don't know if he's going to be available uh, to the Oilers when they do meet on Sunday night. Remember, Oilers game tomorrow. We'll have the play-by-play. Should be able to get both games in for you in their entirety. The Eskimos game starts at 5. The Oilers game will start just after 8. So we have the doubleheader for you right here on 630 Chat. right. quick news break. Then we're back with Jack Michaels and some of your feedback as well at 630.
4: This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Capitals racing up the left-hand side on the power play. Oldwood is going to center it cast his made by Talbot on O'Gain. And he sprawls out to get a whistle just in time. That puck technically loose, and now Talbot throwing the blocker in, and he's getting in the mix. Talbot just threw a right hand. A big pile-up, and the Oilers take exception to Washington messing with a netminder. Like, if he was just digging at the puck, I would have had no problem with it, but as soon as he starts cross-checking my knees, I mean, I've never seen a goal allowed. when the guys cross-checking at the goalie's knee and not going for the puck, so I took exception to that. I wasn't happy about it, but after that, it was just business as usual, and we got back to playing the
2: game. Camp Talbot, the winning goaltender last night, he's won four straight, according to hockeyreference.com his first career penalty last night in that exchange that got one of the largest or loudest cheers from the crowd probably the loudest cheer other than the four goals last night and the man who provided the play-by-play on 630 chad and the oilers radio network was jack michaels hey jack welcome back to the show how are you doing Good, Reed. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks a lot for uh, making time for me today. I don't know if you thought you were going to be calling a, a fight with a goalie involved on that sequence, but it was it was uh, pretty entertaining and maybe proof of, uh, of the Oilers being willing to mix it up a little more.
4: It's been a long time since I've called a goalie fight. I'd probably go back at least eight years, maybe, maybe nine. I once almost called a fight. There was a female goalie, and this is of course, curious because, uh, of course, of the news that came out today involving uh, our own Southern Professional League goaltender. But there was a goalie, her name was Danielle Dubay, who was goaltending for Kevin Killer Kamensky's Long Beach Club. You got a 10 on you, by chance? Um, and in any event, what happened was, is he went after, he basically ordered his female goalie to go ahead and... Uh, and, and basically take on this male goalie, and the male goalie just you know just skated off the ice. I mean, he didn't want any part. Um, and basically, it turned into a, a near fiasco with a, with a female goalie skating the length of the ice. So, trust me, I've seen I've seen uh, So, basically, it was uh, it was just a mess. Read
2: uh, that was ECHL.
4: That was ECHL. Daniel Dubay. I think it was Anchorage, two thousand three. And, uh, and I want to say the Aces, maybe it was Aces, Long Beach Ice Dogs in 2003. So, you know, that was a long time ago, but I, I'm pretty sure I have the details right in terms of year. Ryan Pearson was the goaltender, I think a Winnipeg kid. Wow. And uh, <laughs> almost, a, almost a fight, but he skated off. He didn't want any part of uh, the situation developing of a female goaltender. But would you believe it, Reed? I'm sorry I'm a little bit distracted here. I'm trying to stay out of the rain. Uh,
2: Would you believe it? there's actually rain in Vancouver? I've never experienced (laughs) it before. Well, it rained here today, oddly enough. How bad is it raining?
4: Uh, I would say the usual Vancouver, somewhere between misting and outright pouring. So just hard enough to be irritating. All
2: right. (laughs) All right, fair enough. Well, I hope you're inside. I won't keep you too long, but I want to touch on the Oilers, and we'll get into the World Series uh, a little bit later on too. The Oilers, 6-1 uh, and one after seven games. The last time that happened was uh, 1985-86, uh, where they had an incredible regular season and, and then ran into a, a really good Flames team in the in the playoffs. I mean, it's funny. I mean, the, you, you and I as broadcasters who are around the team all the time, people are asking us, well, are they for real? Are they for real? I, I'm like, well... Yeah, sure, but the result of the next game won't give a definitive answer, yes or no. Nine of the next 12 on the road, and then we'll see how they settle into that and what the record is after that.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I look, I don't see a free fall coming, even, even with the road trip. I also, you know, don't think it's time to plan the parade. I do think this team with the 6-1 and one start has established that it's more than capable of taking a significant step forward. Now, whether that step forward turns into a playoff year or mere contention is what now lies ahead. And we'll know that by Christmas time. I, I think it's safe to say that 25 to 30 games into the season, you've got a pretty good idea of how your club's going to turn out. Barring you know, some sort of, uh, you know, late season collapse or push going the other way. I mean, you know, the one year Columbus won 14 of its last 15 or something, which which kind of deceived everyone into thinking they were better than they really were. They started out of the gate, I think 0-7 last year, and, and that caused Todd Richards' job. What I ultimately think will happen here with Edmonton is that they're going to go out on the road and at some point during that road trip they're going to they're going to experience their first real test with adversity maybe back-to-back losses and, and and that sort of thing it's going to happen it's just how the team responds to it i also think on the flip side Reed, it's just as important what materializes in the next three games because you look at the records and you look at the personnel and quite frankly edmonton should be favored in all three of these games i mean Vancouver's a beat-up club that's not scoring any goals Ottawa is an interesting often you know vacillating team between uh, a tremendous performance and and a horrific one and Craig Anderson has taken a personal leave and he's coming off a shutout of the Vancouver Canucks so his status at least the last word I got was unknown for Sunday's game at, at Rogers Place so and then, of course, you go to Toronto where, yeah, the Maple Leafs are explosive and, and Nylander's right there with McDavid for the scoring lead in the NHL. But on the flip side of that is they're giving up a ton of goals and they've got a goaltender who's really suffering an early season crisis of confidence. So basically, you've got three games there for the taking. And on paper, it looks like Edmonton should be reasonably confident about entering Madison Square Garden at 9-1. and one but I'm putting the cart before the horse. First, we have to see how they handle prosperity, something which Tom McClellan has been critical of his club's response to in previous, you know, sequences of games, previous seasons, to be sure. But this is a new squad, Reed, and the performance last night solidified in my mind that we're going to have a contender this year. Maybe not for a championship, but certainly for a playoff spot.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling optimistic along those lines as well. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun watching the next few games for sure. Jack Michaels but it
4: doesn't seem, you know, it doesn't seem false, Reed. It doesn't seem like we're pretending. No, it's you know, not they one started guy. 9-3 nine, nine, and 2. I don't know whether you remember that in 11-12 and Abby Bull and, you know, had a 96 save percentage. There were signs where the Oilers were getting out shot 38-22 a game that this wasn't going to last. I don't see the same kind of signs this year. And that's why I'm encouraged more than anything else. Even if the win-loss record was 4-3, and three, I'd feel a lot different about this year's club than I did, even at the end of last season when they showed signs.
2: Yeah, for sure. Jack Michaels joining us at 642 Inside Sports on 630 Shed. All right, uh, night off for the World Series. Now, look, we're both working last night. So, uh, uh, well, and I was working during Game 1 as well, so I, I haven't seen as much of the baseball as you. You're, uh, you're a big Cleveland flan- fan. You're hoping the slump ends. Apparently everybody wanted to make bets with you now on the uh, on the World Series, but
4: uh, huh? well, that's what that's what was irritating to me is <laughs> you know you're a Jays fan. Where were you during the American League Championship Series? Now all of a sudden, you know, someone wants to lay a bet with me. You know, a bunch of people want to lay a bet with me on a 103 win Chicago club that basically dominated the major leagues and everything. I mean, my only question is how did this club lose 59 games? Uh, it's <laughs> it's a series that you know, for me, I I don't buy the Chicago stuff. I mean, maybe a Cubs fan, but they haven't had, they, they haven't really been that close. You know what I, I mean? They haven't even been in the World Series. I mean, I suffered through two devastating World Series losses, three devastating AFC championship game losses with the Cleveland Browns. Even the new Browns blew a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Wild Card when they were up 28-10 in the third quarter. That was 15 years ago now but still <laughs> i think i've experienced more torment and cleveland has than than chicago and even with the cubs what did they have uh, the ball through leon durham's legs in 84 but that was that was a that was the right to get shellacked by the 84 tigers as your nerd baseball game will attest yes that's and right and then uh, <laughs> 2003 the steve bartman yeah i get it but uh, I don't think they're beating the Yankees that year, even if they get to the series.
2: All right. Well, <laughs> did you like how I mixed in a little shot at you right there? Well, yeah, but I, but well because I know it's loving, Jack, because I, I yeah. know you have a bit of that nerd streak in you as well. We're talking. Oh,
4: absolutely. <laughs> hey, look, but you got to agree with me. That Tiger Club, I think, won 108 games. Well,
2: did they, they, they start at 35 and nine? Five. Remember?
4: <laughs> yeah, they're not going to they're not going to lose to the Cubs in the 84 series even if they do beat the Padres. That was basically the right to get your tail kicked.
2: All right. For people who don't know what we're talking about, it's uh, it's a cards and dice tabletop baseball game along the lines of Stratomatic, which is probably don't one do it, Reed. That, don't that most do people it. know. Don't. I'm just – just that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm all going right. to say.
4: I, I mean, I'm just saying, don't <laughs> we... give people too close of an inside look. I don't want people to start calling social services, make sure you're not, you know – because you go too deep into it and you start getting that Dungeons and Dragons label and we're going to have to restore your it, reputation.
2: They already hear me talking about Star Wars and Def Leppard on an almost nightly basis, so they're, they're hey, used to it.
4: You know what? Def Leppard had their moments and I maintain that Def Leppard set the barometer for behind the music so high that they basically realized, all right, we're never going to do better so we're just going to dissolve the series, which was unfortunate. I love those VH1 behind the music, but Def Leppard uh, was easily the best in that series. I don't know whether he got that here in Canada, but I thought it was riveting.
2: Yes, and uh, actually the VH1 Classic Albums show they did about 10 years ago on Hysteria is is is, uh, is really good. So anyway, there's there, there's a diverse interview with Jack Michaels, buddy. Stay out of the rain, and I guess we'll be talking tomorrow. Are you going as Joe Elliott for Halloween or no? Oh, that's that's a good idea. I might have to do that.
4: <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you go as Joe Elliott, I'll go as the macho man Randy Savage. <laughs>
2: okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture Monday night then. All right. See you, pal. That is Jack Michaels checking in from Vancouver. He'll call the game tomorrow at 8 between the Oilers and the Canucks. I did say to Jay Lynn on the afternoon news about an hour ago, I think I will do a uh, – an editorial as Bob Layton for inside sports on, on, on Halloween Monday. I probably not in costume, but, uh, we'll see, uh, <laughs> uh, rocket trying to place a bet with Jack Michaels on the Cubs <laughs> <laughs> on the text line. Hey, I'm not being a bookie on the show. All right. I got enough going on here. Like I got to sit here and talk. Can't handle anything else, uh, Matthew Panashik on the other side of the window. How are you doing, by the way, buddy?
1: I'm doing great today. Read six and one, man. You can't ask for more right now.
2: Well, yes, the seven and zero. Oh. You could ask for seven and zero. Oh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, that
2: Buffalo game was a bit gotta of. A... Be oh, okay. Gotta be greedy. Okay, oh, we're six
1: and, 0 and We forget about the Buffalo game. Then how's that? Buffalo game doesn't count.
2: Uh, there are some good signs. Tell you what, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna replay that McClellan clip for people that missed it because I think it's an interesting one. I personally think it's really encouraging, and I got. Well, I want to get to some text messages about it as well. And uh, should we open up the phone lines as well if people want to chat, little Oilers? Or, sure. or what anything Jack said, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three 63 Talking about uh, accountability and, uh, you know, the the players holding each other accountable with the Oilers. And we'll talk about the, the shots on goal as well because McClellan made some interesting comments with that too. It's Inside Sports. It's 630 Jet. <laughs>
1: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
2: guys on hold plenty of text to get to so so bear with me here I will get to as much of your feedback as possible we got a lot to talk about about the others but I want to just fire this clip again Todd McClellan today
0: after practice the accountability part and expectation part um you know, the the players are doing a good job. Last year, I, I talked about establishing boundaries. Right now, the players are in control of their boundaries. They they hold each other accountable on the bench. They want to, when a shot's blocked, they reward each other. When somebody catches somebody from behind and strips a puck like we did a lot of yesterday, they, they recognize that and they... Uh, they're paying attention to the, the details that it takes to win, and they reward each other on the bench with it. When it doesn't occur, there's a little tap and, hey, let's get this going. You, you can be better in that area. And when they take over the team and they start controlling the boundaries, it becomes more powerful.
2: All right, sounds like uh, the Oilers players taking control of uh, of what they need to with each other, which is encouraging, and hopefully that continues. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brian on the line. Hey, Brian.
1: Hey, Reed. How's it going tonight?
2: Doing very well.
1: That's good. Uh, you know what? A couple things. Uh, first off, you know I'm hearing, uh, listening to your uh, show constantly, and the one thing that I can't get over is these people that are still sending you texts and and calling in and giving negative things. You know, after after a decade of of losing and having the right to uh, whine and complain, uh, you know, I, I think people need to really start. Instead of uh, watching for the for the the ball to break or the the bomb to to explode and the season to fall apart, that they have to look at the positives. And the positives of this team is, I mean, first off, uh, you know, they they're refusing to be be let. Uh, they don't. They're refusing to be pushed around, and that, and they're doing it without being goons. So, and that's the big thing. You know, they're doing it responsibly. They're not picking up the penalty. They're not picking up a lot of stupid penalties. The other thing that I've noticed that's different from this year, as opposed to even last year, is they're they're taking their time. They're not going into panic mode when they get you know when when a pinch happens in their end. And you know, firing the puck off in, in just to a blind area.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I mean, sometimes they are hemmed in, but they they stay a little more in control, and it's not two, three shots from a wide open guy in the slot for sure.
1: You know, and and I think that that's a huge factor. Their their puck possession game has also really improved uh, over last year and, and in the other of, of the years and. Uh, as we've always seen, especially with uh, you know Team Canada in Vancouver, you you don't have to score a lot of goals if you don't let the other team have the buck.
2: Yeah, I think I think those are all valid points for sure. Now, I'm, I'm not I'm not going to be negative, but in the ne- next half hour, I'm going to talk about the shots on goal a little bit because I asked Todd about it today, and he actually made some pretty astute comments. I thought about some areas that I'll want to watch going forward, but I'll get to that in the next half hour. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. Uh, Chris from Phoenix. Chris, can, I, can you do it in about a minute today? Because I got the news coming up. I can wait. You want to wait till after the news? Okay. Or just yeah, call back in it. nine minutes. Okay. All right. Chris from Phoenix. Oh, he's got something on his mic. He's he's going to call back. Text to 63630 from Alan and his young apprentice, Darren. Uh, they say, I watched the Oilers last night. Absolutely thrilled with their performance. The benchmark of a team is their ability To adapt and resolve problems, they had their hands full with the Capitals and they adapted and overcame. I don't think the Oilers' success can be attributed to them surprising teams. I think they have found the right chemistry to allow them to play against any team that they face. The Capitals changed up their game plan halfway through when the Oilers adapted. That is from Allen and his young apprentice Darren who are pulling wrenches late into the night. More text, more calls as we uh, move along tonight and uh, later on we'll have an
0: eskimos tiger Cats preview too.